0: Tonight, I want to talk about having intimacy with the Father. And uh, actually, before we, before we do that, we do need to, if you weren't here this morning, we did announce, if you didn't know already, that our dear friend uh, Roy Johnson had passed away. That happened actually in the early hours of Sunday last week. Uh, again, he's, he was very much a morning person here in terms of our meetings. So I was able to put over to the window over here and say, You'll know Roy. Because when you come into a meeting, he'd be over by the window there with his hands outstretched, sort of praying, or he'd be at the back of the room sort of praying. He was a great warrior in prayer. Uh, he and his family sowed into our church in, you know, tremendous, with tremendous generosity over the years. Um, he probably paid for a fair bit of this building, you know, in terms of his giving. So we just want to honor him. We haven't got any details yet of his funeral and Thanksgiving, but as soon as we've got that, we'll, we'll put those out. But I just want to pray, I just want to thank God for, for Roy. Father, we thank you for this dear man. Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank you for his family. We pray that you would comfort them and encourage them. And we thank you that he is now seated with you in heavenly places in, in a an overwhelming sense of your presence. Face to face with Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And Lord, he has entered into the rest that you have promised us And Father already he is anticipating us being with him in in that time And so we thank you for his life and we thank you for all those who are so faithful to your work here Amen Amen It's important to keep the main thing the main thing, isn't it? Turn to the person next to you say it's important to keep the main thing the main thing But how often in our lives do we not keep the main thing the main thing? On the School of Supernatural Life, we talk about a kind of triangle of goals. In fact, there are kind of four, really, so it's almost like a diamond shape. But um, at the top of that triangle is intimacy with the Father. I, over the left-hand side, you put identity in Christ, impact in the Holy Spirit, and then there's a kind of fourth category where we talk about being interdependent on one another. So intimacy, identity, impact, and interdependence. And really that's based around the biblical idea that we need to keep, you know, the intimacy with the Father as the main thing. In fact, everything, you know, uh, our healing, our pressing forward with giving, uh, you know, whatever you, wherever you point at in, you know, the Christian life and in church life, in all our kind of kingdom pursuits, it's intimacy with the Father that has to be there. And sadly, much of the business of, of church can actually kind of push that out, can't it? So I was thinking, well, what should I preach on on Father's Day? And I thought, well, no better topic really than, you know, intimacy with the Father. Right? Happy Father's Day, Father. <laughs> Every day is Father's Day, isn't it? I know that's true on a human level uh, because you're always a father or a mother or a parent uh, or a spiritual father, spiritual mother, spiritual parent, but every day is Father's Day. Just say that with me. Every day is Father's Day. Okay? You can make that as a declaration. Actually, I've been finding Steve Backland, you know, the, the master of de- declarations. Um, if you just Google I mean, Google this or if you're on his website, if you get his emails, he's got declarations for tomorrow. And it's a list of 12 declarations. I've been saying them kind of recently. Uh, In fact, when I forget to say them, I have to say them as declarations for today. All right, so you just have to change the words. But it's 12 declarations. And uh, they're just some fantastic declarations. We'll kind of touch on a, on a, on a few of them as we go through today. Um, but that's a great daily declaration. Today is Father's Day. And Father is with me. Father is walking alongside me. and um, but, but it's actually fatherlessness... I think some people are some, you know, well-known Christian commentators. What's the problem? You know, what's the most pervasive problem in our society and in in our world? Actually, it's fatherlessness. When Jesus when He's talking, we'll read this passage in a moment. But he's talking in John 14. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. And yet the world is full of orphanness, isn't it? You may probably some many of you will know what that feels like if you've not experienced it in the natural world either not having a father or being distant from a father or losing a father who, who was most precious to you and the same would, would apply to mothers as well then that feeling of awfulness orphanness is a terrible feeling isn't it there's a south american country where a father who had lost his son he kind of just, just drifted off Lost all kind of contact with him. He couldn't, but he wanted to make contact with him. So, in a national newspaper, he put an advert saying, "Dear Paco, that was the name of his son. Please get in contact. These are my details. You know, we're, you know, with. I still love you. You know, your father." He got 800 replies to that advert. 800 people are either a named Paco or decided they wanted to be Paco in order to find. A father. And that's a terrible testimony of what has happened in our society, isn't it? In, you know, kind of worldwide that that should be the case. But, um, if you turn to me, well, probably probably this verse will go up on the screen. You know, uh, I remember John, uh, we'll find John chapter 1, verse 18 in a moment. Remember Bill Johnson? We were, Pete and I were in a meeting with Bill, Bill Johnson in, I think it was in Birmingham. And Bill asked one of those very innocent and disarming questions. He said, why did Jesus come? And Pete and I compared notes afterwards, and we had all sorts of really good theological answers to that. You know, he came to preach the gospel and bring the kingdom, make disciples. And all of those are true. But what we were disarmed by was Bill's reply or Bill's answer. And it was simply this. He came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the Father. And if uh, you were here a few weeks ago and I was looking at John chapter 1, have we got that verse up there? Not quite yet. John 1 It 18. Uh, uh, this is uh, what was known as the prologue in John's gospel. It says in verse 18, No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, that's Jesus, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And that phrase, at the Father's side, means literally You know, somebody leaning their head on somebody else's chest. It's the picture of the beloved disciple, John, resting on Jesus' breast. That's the kind of intimacy that Jesus had with the Father. And his whole mission, really, was to reveal the Father to us. Not just simply to reveal the Father to us, but to reveal a relationship that he had with the Father for all eternity, and now he's putting on display for everybody else to have. So you'll know these famous words that uh, this is John chapter 14, where Philip says in verse 8, Philip said, "Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us." Now Philip, Philip kind of had it. We, we often Philip gets criticised here because he asked an obvious question. ...but he knows that if he gets the answer, that will be enough, isn't it? To know the Father will be enough. Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Now, Jesus is about to correct him, but there is something in what Philip says. He knows the relationship with the Father, that will be enough. If you could just show us that, you know, that, that relationship that was predicted, that was prophesied in the Old Testament... That Messiah who's going to reveal God to us, if you could just show us that, that would be enough. And Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you, among you for such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father." You may ask for, for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because I live you also will live and on that day you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you whoever has my commands and obeys them he is the one who loves me he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him notice there when we're pursuing the greater things jesus said you know you would do greater things so we are in a sense seeing some of those greater things when we see cancers healed where we see more and more people getting saved it was lovely to see one of our people on alpha coming to the church for the first time you know we're such a big church now we don't recognize if somebody new comes in you don't know whether they've been coming for five years or or two or whatever it is, isn't it but um because we've been on Alpha recently, we know that this this lady's in in here. It's just a delight when people say, "Have I have I come to the right at the right time?" You think yes, and you're just rejoicing inside that you you just walked through the door, you know, and you're about to experience God and His presence and uh, you know the people of God. Um, can't remember why I said that, but anyway, <laughs> I was going to read this story to you. This is called the Fatherhood of God. It was in the dead of night in Dallas as the doctor walked into the small hospital room of Diana Blessing. That's the person's name. That afternoon of 10th of March, 1991, complications had forced Diana, only 24 weeks pregnant, to undergo an emergency cesarean to deliver the couple's new daughter. Dana Lou Blessing. At 12 inches long and weighing only one pound and nine ounces... They already knew she was perilously premature. Still, the doctor's soft words dropped like bombs. I don't think she's going to make it, he said, as kindly as he could. There's only a 10% chance she will live through the night, and even then, if by some slim chance she does make it, her future could be a very cruel one. None with disbelief. David and Diana listened as the doctor described the devastating problems Dana would likely face if she survived. She would never walk. She would never talk. She would probably be blind, and she would certainly be prone to other catastrophic conditions from cerebral palsy to complete mental retardation, and on and on and on. I always told you, don't phone me at work. no no was all diana could could say she and david with their five-year-old son dustin had long dreamed of the day that they would have a daughter to become a family of four now within a matter of hours that dream was slipping away through the dark hours of morning as dana held on to life by the thinnest thread diana slipped in and out of sleep growing more and more determined that their tiny daughter would live and live to be a healthy happy young girl As if willed to live by Diana's determination, Diana clung to life hour after hour with the help of every medical machine and marvel her miniature body could endure. But as those first days passed, a new agony set in for David and Diana because Diana's underdeveloped nervous system was essentially raw. The lightest kiss or caress only intensified her discomfort so they couldn't even cradle their tiny baby girl against their chest to offer her the strength of their love. All they could do as Donna struggled alone beneath the ultraviolet light in the tangle of tubes and wires was to pray that God would stay close to their precious little girl. As the weeks went by, she did slowly gain an ounce of weight here and an ounce of strength there. And at last, when Donna was two months old, her parents were able to hold her in their arms for the very first time. Two months later, Dana went home from the hospital just as her mother had predicted. Today, Dana is as petite but feisty young lady with glittering grey eyes and an unquenchable zest for life. She shows no signs, whatever, of any mental or physical impairment. Simply, she is everything a girl can be and more. But that happy ending is far from the end of her story. One blistering afternoon in the summer of 1996... Near her home in Irving, Texas, Dana was sitting at her mother's lap at a local park. As always, Dana was chattering nonstop with her mother and several other adults sitting nearby when she suddenly fell silent. Hugging her arms across her chest, Dana asked, Do you smell that? Smelling the air and detecting the approach of a thunderstorm, Diana replied, Yes, it smells like rain. Dana closed her eyes and again asked, do you smell that? Once again, her mother replied, yes, I think we're about to get wet. It smells like rain. Still caught in the moment, Dana shook her head, patted her thin shoulders with her small arms and loudly announced, no, it smells like him. It smells like God when you lay your head on his chest. Tears blurred Diana's eyes, as Dana hopped happily down to play with the other children. Before the rains came, her daughter's words confirmed what Diana and all the members of the extended family had known, at least in their hearts all along. During those long days and nights of her first two months of life, when her nerves were too sensitive for them to touch her, God was holding holding Dana on his chest, and it is his His loving scene that she remembers so well. What is it like to have an intimate relationship with the Father like that? To know your head laid on his chest. Well, Jesus would have us believe that we can have that intimate relationship, doesn't he? That's why he says, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, let me find it. Well, we'll read the last verse of that that chapter where it says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. In a different place in John, it says... I and the Father are one. And since Jesus is in you, you are one with him. He is in you, you're in him. And if he is in the Father and the Father is in him, then you have you are one with the Father. But I guess I I know there are times certainly in my life where that doesn't feel like the reality, does it? Other times, you know, whether maybe that's times on your own or times in corporate worship It can happen at all sorts of times, you know, sometimes I can be walking along the road I felt this today, you know, having remembered Roy and we had a, another funeral celebration here on Friday quite unexpectedly Not for somebody from in the church, by the way, just in case you're worried and uh, you know But it was just that though. I, I know I know where I'm going I know I have eternal life I, I am free as Pete was saying this morning I'm free from so much I'm free from the fear of death I'm free from you know any sin any condemnation any guilt any shame but I'm also free to inherit eternal life I know where I'm going and my the intimate the intimate relationship I have with the father keeps reminding me of those two things, of that you know of that relationship and when I, I, kind of seem to have ignored him, sometimes, do you get, ever get to the end of the day and I thought, I haven't been, I haven't talked to the father today. Whenever I think that, it's like, it, it's like the father is there and he's saying, that's okay. I've always been here, David. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes days in our life, it's much easier, isn't it? It seems like God is on our case. He's walking beside us, you know, and it's not difficult. Other times, you know, you sort of get to the end of the day, maybe you've been really busy and you think, where, well, you know, I, did, did I really involve God in this? And I guess that, that, that is the measure of our lives, isn't it? But I want to suggest that there are several ways in which we can, you know, kind of lose that intimacy with the Father. And in fact, if you've never experienced that intimacy with the Father, then I want to pray for you tonight that you might experience him in a deep way and know that intimacy you know for the the rest of your days but jesus gives us some clues here about how we can lose lose that intimacy the first is very simple really it's in verses 16 and 17 where jesus says now i will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth so if the holy spirit leads us into that relationship it's like paul says You know, the Holy Spirit cries, Abba, Father, into our spirit. And our spirit, by the Holy Spirit, cries, Abba, Father, back to the Father. But if we've never actually experienced that, and this is something that the New Testament makes very clear, this comes through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then is renewed again and again when you ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. But if you've never actually experienced that baptism in the first place, you see, it's quite possible to live a Christian life. The spirit is working in you. You have been born again. You're trying to work out your, you know, your uh, the demands of the Christian life. And actually, your Christian life looks like a list of things to do. Anybody had that experience? There were many years actually of my Christian life where my Christian life was daily a list of things to do And when I first started that list that seemed to be okay I mean, I was going to church I was finding out the will of God and I was trying to put it into practice during the week But the longer I went on with most of my you know, I was born again I was saved But I was trying to work out my Christian life as if it was just a list of things to do And then I'd go back to church the next Sunday and I'd have another list, or at least my list would get longer. And then it would get longer. And then I would not measure up to some of the things I thought I was supposed to do. And so I'd feel bad about that and I'd feel guilty about it. And I thought, well, why do I feel guilty about trying to do what's right? And the more I tried to do what was right, the less I felt okay with God. In fact, I felt more guilty. That's an easy trap to fall into, isn't it? And what I discovered, of course, was inadvertently, at least, nobody told me to do this, inadvertently, and most of us do this at some point in our life, I thought I was, you know, I was trying to live the life myself without that intimacy with the Father. Without the grace of God over my life. Without God speaking to my life, David, you are righteous, you're never going to be more righteous than you are now. You know because you have the righteousness of christ in you you are holy and blameless before him You've entered entered into my love and nothing can separate you from the love of god in christ jesus And whether you succeed or fail is not the issue The issue is I love you And will always love you and I have changed you into a new creation in christ You're no longer a sinner trying to be a saint. You are a saint who sins occasionally And actually, the more I realized about my true identity, the less sinning I had to contend with. Interesting, isn't it? When you operate out of who you are and whose you are, in that relationship with the Father, suddenly the Christian life, A, is lived differently, but it's also lived more powerfully. Because you're you're living in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, who cries, Abba, Father, into your spirit. I am secure, I am loved, I am accepted. I'm going into this day in the freedom of God's grace, knowing I have nothing to prove to him. And then, ironically, your Christian life becomes easier. Ironically, it's easier to overcome temptation. Ironically, it's easier to live a passionate life of Christ because you have experienced the passionate love of God. That's the turnaround that most of us have experienced in our lives, isn't it? But equally, it's, you know, it's easy to lose some of that intimacy if you're not constantly asking God to fill you with His Holy Spirit. So why don't we just pause. Put your hand on your heart. Say, Father, fill me with your Spirit. Flood my heart, Lord. Fill it to overflowing. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that I'm fully accepted, fully forgiven, fully loved, filled up with the love of God. <laughs> I'm sparkling. <laughs> I'm splendid. I'm a royal son or daughter of God. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Mm. Now, was determined as we went through this evening, and I, I mean this quite sincerely, so don't go into, if you're in a kind of passive mode at the moment, just be listening to God. And um, if there is something you think, well, that's a prophetic word for somebody here, I'm going to invite you to come and bring it. I was kind of asking God recently, Lord, why don't we have more contributions in our meetings? And we, we've got to a little bit of a stage where we love our worship, but the kind of contributions get a bit squeezed out. And I felt, you know, um, actually we're, myself and Mark Henley are preparing a, a sort of how to preach course at the moment. And I was looking at the whole relationship of preaching and prophecy. And I thought, why do we think pro- preaching is over here and prophecy is over there? And you've got to have one first and then the other. Why can't you kind of mix them up? So tonight, folks, you're in on the experiment. So has anybody got a word sort of just going on in there? Yes, Joe, come out. Oh, are you going to read something out? Yeah. Anyway, so no, you... it's quite handy. He's going to turn it on for you. So. All right. Is
1: that it? Yeah. Oh, lovely. So um, I've got one for someone else before that was a paintbrush, but uh, this time I got a spray bottle. So I don't know if anyone works in cleaning or anything like that, but uh, that's what I got. And God kind of showed me that um, a spray bottle uh, sort of coats a large surface area of a little bit of light water that can get dirt off and stuff like that. I actually don't know if this is helping anyone, if anyone works in cleaning. <laughs> But um, he also showed me it's like a a tropical monsoon, so like it's very lush and uh, it supports like a density of life with like not a lot of water. So yeah, I kind of feel like if this is an experiment, it's gone all right. But (laughs) I'm not quite hitting anyone directly. What would
0: you say those? So what do you? What would you say God's saying through that?
1: Um, it's almost like that uh, it doesn't take a lot of water to really coat like a large surface area. So if you're someone who feels like, oh, I haven't got quite a lot of water in me or I haven't got quite a deep well, God's saying it doesn't matter because he can coat as much as he wants with this spray bottle. So if you ever feel like you're comparing yourself to other people or whatever, it doesn't really matter because God's got a, a vessel that's built for you.
0: Right. Well, we're going to carry on. This is like our spiritual workshop. So I'm just going to ask Joe to release that word by which might just pray it for people now. Can you pray it? What What do I pray? What um,
1: Spray pray
0: what you, yeah. Oh. <laughs> pray kind of what you read. So that Okay. Um, if anyone, ask God to do it to these people.
1: Um, to anyone who feels that they've got a small vessel, I just pray that God fits a big spray hose onto you and just coats that fine mist of his water across all of you. And if there's any uh, dirty spots in your life or any areas that you see, that he just uh, softens that dirt and scrubs that right off. And if there's any areas that are uh, natural, life-giving soil that he put in you, that he just uses that water just to make that uh, a lush-for-life area of a monsoon.
0: Amen. Brilliant. And how long have you been a Christian, Joe? Uh,
1: about two years, but I've been coming Eastgate about five months. It's been a bit of a rocky road, but yeah, it's been great since I've come here. So.
0: <laughs> and he's getting baptised on the 7th of July. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's as easy as that, isn't it? Anybody else? Josh. Can you pass that to Josh? I
1: was uh, just went singing that song about God when our troubles seem to surround us and then then um, that God surrounds us. I just got that image of from where I think it was Elisha, wasn't it? Of just where um, the army seemed to surround Israel and surround where Elisha and Gehazi
0: were and then he saw the armies of heaven or the armies of angels around them. And you what do you feel is in inside that word? An encouragement of some
1: sort. I guess that the angels are fighting for us.
0: Yeah. The angels are fighting for us. Okay. Yeah. Right. Do you want to pray that over people? Yeah.
1: And yeah. Um, yeah. We'll just, just release that, and just I think the angels yeah. are fighting for us. So I pray that we can mm. help us to remember that, Lord
0: Jesus. Yeah. 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 Very good. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> so you getting the idea. Okay, uh, barriers to intimacy, lack of the Holy Spirit. I've also got disobedience. In a sense, this is kind of fairly straightforward, isn't it? In verse 21, it says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Now, what Jesus isn't saying here is you've got to, you know, work through lots of commandments in order to get his love. But actually, the, one of the ways we demonstrate that love, we're loved first by God. and one of the ways we demonstrate that, of course, is to obey him. And on one level, it's quite simple that, uh, you know, that if there's disobedience in your life, then that's going to impact the intimacy that you enjoy. It doesn't, doesn't change God's love for you. Emotionally, we often think that, don't we? I've let God down, I've messed up in some way. And, uh, but his love remains the same. Actually, he's always got the door open to you. But in order to get back into that intimacy of relationship... Then you need to simply repent and ask God to forgive you. And as scripture says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen. The other barrier to intimacy I said, which I think is indicated, you know, the Holy Spirit is given to lead us into all truth, isn't it? And one of the measures of your intimacy is how much you are hearing from God. It would be a strange relationship, isn't it? You know, yes, I'm really intimate with that person, but just haven't spoken to them for, you know, a couple of weeks. Well, that's, you, you would question that, isn't it? You, you see that in marriage, you see that in friendships. You know, a measure of, a measure of intimacy is how much you are hearing from that person or you are speaking to that person. So what, what was the last thing you heard from God? What's he saying to you, even as I speak? Anybody like to share that? What's God revealing to you? Anybody like to share something that God's been speaking to them, perhaps during the worship? Yeah, Chelsea, it's all going on over there, isn't it? Look, the people on the right-hand side are winning at the moment. You've got to wake up, you guys.
1: (laughs) I don't like speaking in public, but... I will. Come on. Um, okay. So this morning, um, I was talking to God and I said, I, I don't feel close to you. You know, sometimes you just feel like, I don't know, you just feel like he's not there. And you're, I was saying, oh, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Yeah. I feel like I'm not evangelizing enough because I love to evangelize, <laughs> but I'm just not in the season where I'm um, getting as many opportunities, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then God gave me Psalms 21. And it was all about the still waters and um, it was about intimacy. And he said, you're in a season of stillness and intimacy and you're still getting to know me. Yeah. And then I come here and you have a whole sermon about that. (laughs) So,
0: yeah. God's definitely speaking to you, isn't he? He does speak through preachers, by the way. Okay, so (laughs) it's not all just prophecy. (laughs) That's so encouraging. Come on, give him a round of applause. That's lovely. Are you stirring? The Holy See, you anointed in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, in one, there's an incredible verse in one John, uh, chapter two, where where John says, "You don't need teachers." I mean, all the teachers over two thousand years have not been needed. Well, you know, he's he's actually addressing the false teachers. But what he's stressing—he's not saying you shouldn't, ha- you know, have teaching. But what he's stressing is, you have the teacher within you. The greatest, You carry around the greatest teacher ever, the Holy Spirit, who will lead you into 50% of the truth. No, all of the truth. What do you mean all of the truth? Yeah, all of the truth. Everything you've ever wanted to know, the Holy Spirit will lead you into. And we know that scriptural truth. We know the Holy Spirit speaks through his book. He wrote it for our benefit. And it is totally comprehensive about all of life. We know that. But there are many things, you know, whether it's to do with our present society, technology and so on. There are many other things, too, that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into. You see, every great invention, every step forward in mankind's advance. I know in many, many ways mankind doesn't advance because of his sin and, you know, Death and destruction who creates but there are you know there's a there's a level of advance certainly around the technological world our understanding of the universe you know keeps on advancing it all those advances are done in the power of the Holy Spirit whether the people who do the inventions know it or not why because we have a sovereign God and that, that's why there's always a solution to every situation isn't it God wants to pour out his solutions into your heart and my heart wherever it is. So one of Steve Backland's declarations for tomorrow, so you can say it today for tomorrow, is there's always a solution. Would you like Can you say that with me? There's always a solution. Close your eyes for a moment. Think of that work situation. Think of that family situation. Think of that issue going on in your community. And just declare over it. And when you make a declaration it feels a bit uh, you know, unnatural or it doesn't feel quite real but, but because it is a step of faith. When I make a declaration, I'm actually making a declaration of faith and I'm stepping out in faith to say, I look, you know, as a Christian, walking in the power of God, walking in intimacy with the Father, I know there's a solution to every problem. You might, you might be the solution to that problem. Somebody else might be or a group of people might be the solution to that problem There's not a problem in the world that God cannot solve and so you and I can declare there's always a solution It's one of my favorite declarations There's always a solution Um, Now while I was preparing this we'll just take a break for a moment Josh Ask God. I've never done this before. I don't know. You know when you think why haven't I never done this before In all the years i've been preaching i've never asked God to give me a dream The night before I preach and I thought well, that's a good experiment, you know, I mean a plenty of you know I won't go into the whole theology around dreams, but you know um, I just encourage you to do the same ask God tonight before you get to bed Lord, give me a dream. You know one of the not one of those weird ones <laughs> Where you know, it doesn't really make sense I'm walking down the street without my clothes, you know, but we, you know if you've ever had that one. and, and uh, Obviously, some of you have. And, but one that really makes sense, and I won't get into all the details, but, but God did give me this dream. And I'm organizing, as often I am, you know, organizing an event. and It's a church event, and people are going to speak at it, and there are all sorts of things. And the closer we get to the event... The three or four people who are going to help me out with the event—they all drop out. <laughs> it's a nightmare, isn't it? And they were all going to take part, and suddenly I've got this event to do, and I had all these people to help me, and now they're not helping me. The next thing—the next thing in the dream—is that somebody comes and walks into the room where I am, perhaps it's Eastgate or somewhere, and they've got all this food, and I go, "Thank goodness for that." And I have this kind of overwhelming feeling. I mean, God hasn't produced free people to take the place of those those people. But God is providing for all our needs. And I end that part of the dream. This is this wonderful feeling of, though these people let me down, God is going to provide. Anybody in a situation like that at the moment? Where you think, I've been let down by some people. Or I was planning a project and it hasn't kind of worked out yet. In the way, anybody in that situation? Yeah. Well, this is a prophetic... Keep your hands up for the moment. If you're next to one of those people, just put your hand on their shoulder. This is the intimate father. He knows, you see, he knew, when I asked for that dream, he knew your situation. And he knows exactly what you need. Some of you need people you need talented people you need gifted people to do the things that you're involved with some of you need financial provision some of you just need an encouraging sense of God's presence that you're going to see it through that there is a solution so father we're releasing just as surely as Joseph's dreams released provision For not only Egypt, not only for Israel, for all the nations. So, Father, we are releasing now solutions over those problems. We're releasing people. People resources, Lord. People with the right talents, the right skills, the right abilities to step into those situations and make a difference. Lord, we're releasing finances over those situations. We're releasing Perhaps most importantly, Lord, your encouragement, your power, your presence to take what seemed to be an impossible situation and make it possible in Jesus' name. Amen. Now there was a second part of the dream and I'll, I'll just close on this one. Second part of the dream was that I'm kind of go upstairs and I'm being led by a child. And I'm leading to the room and there's I'm in I'm in my bathroom and there's the shower and the shower is leaking. And the sense in in this is that God knew there was like a hidden problem. You know, there's nothing worse than having a dripping shower or a plumbing problem and you don't know about it. Now, you will most problem plumbing problems, you will discover eventually, won't you? But there was just a few pools on the water, no real damage. But I'd been shown by a child what the solution was. Now, what I'm hearing for God, for some of you, is this: that there is a simple solution. That childlike faith will lead you to maybe what you thought was a big problem, or maybe even a problem you weren't aware of, that you will discover that God's going to reveal to you, that somehow is going to be, you know, unveiled, so that you can, like most problems, if you catch them in their early stages, and I feel as I'm speaking this might even be, you know, uh, associated with with physical illness, you get caught in its early stages, most of us know medically, that's often true, you know, a disease gets caught in its early stages, might be that people here today who just go and get, go and get yourself checked out. It's not, not to make you anxious. It's just to say, be sensible. You know, you may have prayed about this, but you haven't been to see your GP yet. And what we love to do in this, this church is we love this combination of medical science and supernatural healing. They're both complementary. They both work together. They're both necessary and they're both healing from God. That's our basic philosophy of heaven in healthcare and our healing center. So go and get it checked out, if that, that's you. But also just take that problem or that situation, and with childlike faith, or just ask God, you know, just, Lord, is there something I need to know about a situation in my life where I can just step in, and, oh, right, that prevented a whole lot of problems not occurring, didn't it? As the saying goes, prevention's better than cure, isn't it? Anybody identify with that? Yeah, Okay when you come to meetings like this you think that's why i came <laughs> all right so father we want to release that solution or whatever however that solution works out in your lives that, that you would prosper through it you would bring uh, you would bring blessing to those people in those situations that little problems will have been nipped in the bud and i want to pray that god will give you courage maybe there are things you need to confront, even people that you may need to confront over certain things that will just bring restoration, bring healing, bring reconciliation, and bring solutions into those problems. And we just release that too in Jesus' name. Amen? It's great walking with intimacy with the Father, isn't it? So keep asking for the Holy Spirit. Keep asking for revelation. Just deal with anything that's kind of wrong in your life. And, you know, you'll press in to that intimacy more and more each day. Amen.